well, who the hell are these jerks? And it was nationwide. This is so southwestern Ontario province. <laughs> yeah, what the hell, Scarborough. Ugh. Um, I still feel that way now. Um, oh man, our listenership in Scarborough just dropped like a rock. We love you, Scarborough listeners. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We love everybody. Yeah, don't we. Don't we, Yeah, we love everybody. Thanks, Lil. Okay, yeah. Except yeah. for James Cameron. It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. But there'll be smiles and there'll be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death. By video. Time for death. By video. With Phil and Kit and Lillian and Grant. Like we And welcome back to Death by Video. <laughs> Um, I don't think we got any of that. I think we just started recording now. That's for the best. Um, it is week two of our Canadiana series. I am Graham. I'm Phil. I'm Kit. And we are joined again by the incredibly lovely and very talented... Lillian. Yay, I gotta update the song as well. I'm gonna do that this time. I didn't update it for the you last one. You keep on promising to do that, and you keep it's on not delivering. It's a lot delivering. of work. I gotta like get into the recording studio. I gotta hit the harmonies. Hey, it's all good. I like being referred to as special guest. <laughs> Although I think we'll it's special over, like, pest. Remix and, uh... Or I'll just like drop in my voice. I'll just record my voice separately. Just drop it in like with Phil and Kit and Lillian and Graham. <laughs> um, so guys, have we watched anything interesting in the last week? Kit's shaking his head. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of something, and I'm coming up, coming up. Empty. I know two of the people. Maybe two of the people here uh, went to go see La Femme Nikita. Yeah, Actually, I no, went to see Lil La Femme didn't Nikita. go see it. No, Lil didn't go see it. Uh, but I've seen it, and I adore that movie. Yeah. It is so good. It's fun times. I don't care for pretty much anything else Luke Besson's done, but uh, really, the one with I'm John sorry. Travolta. Oh man, Luke Besson did a John Travolta movie. Yeah. This is stumping oh. me, even. Yeah, which one's that? It's. It was like a few years ago. It's pretty recent. Oh. I can't remember what it's called. Is it from Paris with Love? Yeah, I think so. Oh, maybe. that one. Oh, my or maybe God. Like it's one of those million movies that he's produced or yeah. co-wrote. Or... So you didn't care for Subway starring uh, Christophe Lambert? I haven't seen Subway. I've been curious about that one. I've... <laughs> it's so weird. Cause it's it about... looks weird. It's Christophe like, Lambert. Christophe Lambert with the, the 80s synth hair. Yeah, bleach blonde hair wearing a tuxedo. He hides out from the cops in the the, the Paris Metro subway system. And Isabella this... Johnny, yeah. Isabella Johnny, isn't it? And... And sh- and he decides like, hey, I'm gonna form a band in the subway out of the people that work and live in the subway, and it makes no sense. And they have their big performance at like the food court in the center of the Paris Metro, and the whole time I'm just like, this doesn't happen. Subways aren't places where people hang out. You just it's a mode of, mode of transportation. Yeah. I probably spoke too soon. I need to watch Subway now. Okay, yeah. then watch it. It's, it's so good. Huh? Yeah, you seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Oh, I already know you saw. Yeah. I didn't know you saw it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. What did you think of it, Lil? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I remember having that kind of same feeling about the subway, too. Yeah. It's also very strange because they're an entirely French band that performs in English. 
Nice. Yeah. It was very shocking because they like lead up to this song completely and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, they're singing in English, but the entire movie is in French. I have to admit, I didn't know what you guys were talking about at first. I kind of clued in when when you said Christophe Lambert. I was like, "What? That's how you say his name?" It, I had no idea. Yeah, for all these years, he, I've been saying Christopher Lambert. Well, the thing is, for his for his English language films, he is known as Christopher Lambert. For his original French films, he is Christophe Lambert. He has the worst Scottish accent ever. Yet he is forever known as being... Everyone thinks like, oh, that Scottish actor. He's not. He's Christophe Lambert. He's French? Mm-hmm. He's French? Yeah, he's super French. Conveniently enough, um, Sean Connery, a Scotsman, has the worst Russian accent of all time. Oh, yeah. I know it. He also plays an unconvincing... Ag- but he's never been referred to as... Sean Sean Connerisky or whatever, right? In his defense, no, it's, Sean it's, it's, it's one of those like really phony sounding Russian names. Eh? Oh yeah, because in the Hunt for Red October, I know he drops it like halfway through, and he's just like, ah, I'm Scottish again. Um, but uh, but he, he he played a very unconvincing uh, Russian uh, Egyptian in um, in Highlander with Christophe Lambert. So it was an unconvincing. So it was a Scottish man playing an unconvincing Egyptian and a French guy playing an unconvincing. Scott. Anyone else see anything interesting? I, mean, I know Phil, oh, you uh, saw... Yeah, I, I finished uh, Glow. Oh, yeah, what'd you think? Glow was a lot of fun. I had, a great series. I had some minor reservations about it. I think there are too many characters for... For 10 episodes. For 10 yeah. episodes, and like the ep- each episode's barely over 30 minutes long, so I had issues with that. Um, mm-hmm. It's also very formula, and formula's fine, but like it's almost too predictable at times. I mean, it, it subverts it a little bit, but, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a fuss budget. Like, you knew how each character was going to do, like, oh, each yeah, character like, was going to react. Everything's so telegraphed, you know, like, okay, this is like, okay, this is going to be, a, there's a conflict's going to happen, and it's going to be resolved almost immediately. Although the central conflict of the entire show was not resolved, which I liked. No, at I the, liked that as well. I don't yeah. want to spoil it, but at the end, these characters have a conversation and they're just like, yeah, you, this isn't okay. We're no. still not good. Yeah, no, I really like that as well. Mm-hmm. Kit, you were gonna say something? No. Okay. <laughs> you, just, you, kept, you constantly were like motioning for the microphone, and then no. And hey, one last thing about Glow is yep. I didn't like the the episode nine plot twist reveal. Oh, the the daughter. Yes. See, I like that. No one's gonna know. Everybody's binge-watched it by now. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. Sorry, Lil. Not Kit. You'll forget about it by the time it happens. <laughs> Daughter episode nine. No, I'm on it. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw The Great Baby Driver last week, and oh my god, that film. If, if it's still in theaters close to you, wherever you are right now when you're listening, even if this is like three months from now, go see it. Go rent it. Go buy it. It is a not, it's not a sequel. It's not a remake. It's not a reboot. It's not a reimagining. It's not an adaptation of a comic book or a TV show or an app or a blog or an Instagram account or a book. It's pure original awesomeness. Well, I mean, it's it's derivative of something. It's it's. Oh come up. on, Kit! <laughs> I haven't seen the film. Oh, Full come disclosure, on. but yeah. obviously you're, you're ragging out about seeing it's it. It's a getaway driver movie. It's yeah. not coming out of a void. No, of course not. But it's it's great though because it's. I'm like, enthusiastic about this movie as well. Here's the thing: I've seen all the movies that like. Uh, he that uh, Edgar Wright referenced it like The Driver and Thief, and it's like, and it's nothing and like those films. No, not Drive. Okay. Jesus, God, I can't. 
why do I put up with this crap? I'm sorry, Graham. That's fine. Um, that was a very convincing acceptance of my apology. Yeah, and whatever. Um, uh, so we have an RIP to mention, uh, which we'll get to right now. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate that we're kicking, like we're continuing our um, our uh, our Canadian Canadiana month, uh, and a Canadian uh, film editor passed away, Carolyn Cronenberg. Uh, the wife of David Cronenberg. She was only 66 years old. Uh, it's very unfortunate. She edited The Brood, and she edited Fast Company for him. She also edited uh, several other feature films. She was a Toronto local. Um, and, yeah, so our condolences to the Cronenberg family. Didn't she um, also do uh, costuming? I don't think she... She was an editor. She wasn't a, a, a costumer. I thought a costume design... I thought... Uh, never mind. I don't mm-hmm. have the IMDb in front of me, so I can't check this out, but... Yep. She also directed um, the behind-the-scenes documentary Acts of Violence um, about the film A History of Violence, which her husband directed in 2006. So, yeah. so Vigo, right? With Vigo Morgison and uh, Ed Harris? That's the one. And William Hurt. Mortensen. I think you said Morgensen. I think Chris Kett was correct. I tripped on that. Same difference. Mortensen. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Scandinavian names. Um, so yeah, so let's uh, let's and also uh, big. Uh, so in another other Canadian news, um, congratulations to Kenny Omega. He uh, <laughs> he over the Canada Day weekend, which recently passed in Los Angeles, New Japan Pro Wrestling held their first ever shows on American soil. Both shows sold out in minutes, and uh, they held a two night. Had to throw that in, right? You had to throw that in. Well, they say the biggest flaw of the whole weekend is that they didn't book a bigger venue because they could they realized they could have sold out like 20,000 tickets per night um but yeah so Kenny Omega he uh won the two night tournament to become the first ever New Japan Pro Wrestling International Wrestling Grand Prix United States Heavyweight Champion um so cheers to Canada's own Kenny Omega um and now let's talk about the film we're about to watch tonight it is Heavy Metal Summer, a.k.a. State Park, State Park, which is the American title, but Heavy Metal Summer is the Canadian title, so it is the correct title. It is from the director of... of um, he directed Screwballs, Screwballs 2, Loose Screws, and Screwball Hotel. He also directed Va- Valet Academy and a movie called Jailbait from 1994. Ew. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it is a Canadian film. I'm going to get the director's name right now. It was uh, Rafael Zielinski. Um, so he um, he's actually from Montreal, and he uh, basically started off trying to direct art films, but found that he couldn't really get them made. There was no money in it, so he then wound up directing these teenage sex comedies. Now, he also directed TV shows that were produced in Canada, like Highlander, tying it all back into our Christophe Lambert conversation, and Poltergeist The Legacy, which was another show produced in Canada, which, does anyone remember Poltergeist The Legacy from the 90s? I vaguely remember it. I never watched that. I didn't it know was that was a Canadian awful. thing. It was awful. Yeah, it was a, it was a, well, it was a Canadian produced, sold to, uh, like, syndicated throughout the States. I think it was, like, a Canada-France co-production or some nonsense like that. Um here is his quote on uh, his career path from the art house to the outhouse, as I like to say. I originally set out to make illuminating, conscious, expanding, globally entertaining movies that would change the world. And I guess I was naive because the universe challenged me instead with a lesser twofold path. 
On the one hand, a series of low-budget independent art house films that I had to end up producing myself and that went around the film festival merry-go-round. While on the other string, uh, while on the other hand, a string of works for hire, which I tried to elevate as much as possible within the limitations I was given. I hope to change all of that and get back to the original aforementioned goal before it is not too late. That, as of 2017, has not happened. Um, he also directed the film The Elevator in 1996. He directed National Lampoon's Last Resort, starring the Corys, both he- uh, Feldman and Haim. And, uh, yeah, that was a film that existed. Um, yeah, unfortunately, mm, I saw that one. It was one I rented on principle of it being a National I, Lampoon movie. Yeah, yeah. And that was before- Unfortunate is the right term for having seen that film. I saw it, saw it as well. Yeah. Not so good. I mean, it, it was it was back when, like, National Lampoon was still in its infancy as a franchise. Because, you know, you had Animal House, the first three vacation movies, mm-hmm. Loaded Weapon 1. But other than that, like, there weren't that many And National then there Lampoons. was the dredge of the 90s in the early yes, 2000s. which I guess is what Last Resort or mm-hmm. Loaded Weapon 1 kicked off. Yep, Last Resort, followed up by Senior Trip, followed up by Dorm Days. Although I like Dorm Days. No, no. No, not Dorm Days. What was the one at Sea? No, no, Dorm, Day, Dorm Days 2 was at sea. Dorm Days 1 was... <laughs> Dorm Days 1 was actually quite funny. Um, although the plot was really hard Se- to follow. Senior Trip had its moments. Uh, mainly Tommy Chong. Oh, Ned Chong. Ned Rock and Roll. Mm, that was another Canadian film. And it film. was uh, one of uh, Jeremy Renner's first movies. I, I remember first. that, yeah. That was just before he did the... Uh, the... God, what's his name? The serial killer that ate his boyfriends. Jeffrey Dahmer. Thank you, Lil. Um, the uh, he did the Jeffrey Dahmer biopic. Um, so on that note, we're gonna watch a wacky teen comedy, Heavy Metal Summer from 1988. Yes, and we're doing a uh, sleep uh, sleepover here in the abandoned video store. We've all got our um, sleeping bags. Graham has his Nicholas Winding Refn sleeping bag. It looks very adorable. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I've got, <laughs> got my Ghostbuster. Myself. Got and... my Ghostbuster sleeping bag. Very cozy. Um, yeah, I forgot to mention that we were in the old abandoned video store off of Highway 9, north of Markham, south of Etobicoke, east of Scarborough, and west, west of, of Hamilton, Hamilton. <laughs> all at the same time. Find it on your map. Um, so with that, we'll be right back. Oh, and unfortunately, I did a search for the um, the soundtrack to Heavy Metal Summer. I cannot, surprisingly enough, cannot find a single track. And uh, so we're going to be scoring this episode with the Canadian heavy metal sensation Thor. Uh, featuring such tracks as Thunder on the Tundra. Tund- tundra. Um, he, him of the great Canadian classic Rock and Roll Nightmare. Nice. Cool. You should watch that movie, too. Maybe the ghosts will out. We'll see. They've got a different plan for next week. Next week. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Bye.
don't think so. But anyways, we're... Stuart Little was in a Corvette or something, wasn't he? Yeah, he drove a car. I think that was just for the movie, though. Uh, Ralph no. S. Mouse rode a motorcycle. Stuart Little, Stuart Little had a boat. Oh, he had a boat. Stuart Little had a boat, didn't he? Oh, okay. And Ralph S. Mouse had a motorcycle, and he had like the motorcycle goggles and everything. Oh, okay, yeah. They're all just rip rip offs of uh, Muffy Mouse, who had her own two story penthouse. Woo, Muffy! Didn't Beatrix We're not gonna Mouse as well? That was that was Muffy Mouse from today's special, which is a Canadian kids. Let's yep. have some fun. <laughs> Starring a mannequin named Jeff. And we're back after watching Heavy Metal Summer. And that was Hi. our... All right, so guys, what do we all think of Heavy Metal Summer? Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was something. It was, it was very, uh, it was very nice. I'm nodding my head. It was surprisingly innocuous. Uh. Yeah, it was, considering it's a teen, like, sold as a teen raunch comedy from the 80s, it's not that raunchy, but every now and then they just throw in stuff, and even the stuff they threw in was very innocent, like... Yeah, like, the TNA was definitely a total afterthought, and, uh, and there it was, was an, uh, pretty restrained, all things considered. And there was always a warning, like, these little ducks would be around. Yes, so. the, the ducks It's a were, warning to, like, let the kids were, yeah. kind of, like, oh, hi, uh, uh, hey, Teddy, get me a beer, will you, from the kitchen? <laughs> or if that was just where they would, for the TV version, the would TV note it, yes. edit, like, anytime there's ducks, get ready to cut. Um... But yeah, so yeah, especially coming from the guy who made Screwballs and Screwballs 2 Loose Screws. I haven't seen Screwball Hotel, but those two films were just... Cra- but they were also weirdly innocent. You, you haven't completed the trilogy? No, 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 no. I actually was at a screening of the first Screwballs, which is quite weird and fascinating. Screening of Screwballs? How did that happen, Graham? Well, are you talking to someone off, off mic? The ghost. The ghost of Max. Um... Yeah, so let's let's start it. Let's let's go through. So, how did the screening of Screwballs happen? Uh, it was part of Eyesore Cinema's second story screenings at uh, Tequila Bookworm down on Queen Street in Toronto. Okay, they used to do screenings in their uh, the upstairs there. Actually, they're now doing screen. They actually have chairs, a screen, and a projector at Eyesore Cinema on Bloor, and they're going to start doing screenings there. That's totally in their right. back room. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you see the old Andrew Cash sign, that's, I, that's exactly uh, that's how you know it. Andrew Cash NDP. Um. But uh, the former incumbent Andrew Cash, yeah, the writer of the theme, the music to Dragons Den, Andrew and Cash, formerly of eighties uh, band L'Etranger, yeah, crap rock, the best that Toronto can do. <laughs> Kit's got something to say. Like, look at his face right I, now. I am surprised at all the Andrew Cash trivia floating around this room here. <laughs> You might be able it's to okay. use this someday, Kit. <laughs> no, you won't. It might come in handy. You never know. Andrew Cass has gone back to being a footnote where he should stay. Well, Char- he- Charlie Angus from L'Etranger is still active as NDP, is he not? This is still going on. Yeah, I know. Back to Heavy Metal Summer, which... Uh, I've actually met Andrew Cash. Yeah, so what? have I. What? So- you got some input there, then. Yep, yep. Oh, we shit. shook hands. I sold him some espresso supplies. You would. Yeah. No, I, I, I like. We're not. We're not no, we're not. <laughs> of course you. I'm sorry. I'm okay, back to that. That wasn't. Else. That wasn't even Kinda like. Uh, you would like you scum. You that totally didn't. I didn't mean for it to come out that way. Because I was just like, yeah, you would have sold him espresso supplies. Because at the time you worked in an espresso store. Um, but uh, no. Good so job. back. Good job. Good job. Back to Heavy Metal Summer. Um, so it is from 1988. 
And it stars... Uh, Kit, you wrote down some notes. I did not write down any names, though, but it does It does have... She was too entertained. What, what? Yeah. It, it has James Wilder in it. Mm, as Trucky, right? As Trucky Honeycut. Ooh. The heir to the Hucky Cut land close to the camp uh, Willy uh, now Wonka. Honey. Honey Cut, I think. Yes. Um, and then there was Kim something or other who was oh, Kim Myers she Kim played Myers. Eve who we all kept referring to as young Meryl Streep a, a young ginger like, picture young Meryl Streep but as a ginger mm-hmm. um, and she is our essentially our female lead although all the all the characters kind of get equal screen time yeah. it's truly an ensemble um, so yeah so Kim Myers plays Eve Isabel Mejias plays Marcia who plays the rich girl Oh, yeah, and another thing about Kim Myers is that she was in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Exactly. She the oft-rejected second love not film. so interest. Yep. And um, uh, She the really third... does bear an uncanny resemblance to Meryl Streep. Yeah. Way. She's I also a pretty good actress, I gotta say. Like, all the actors across the board in this one were pretty good, except for the, I guess, the park rangers, who are way over the top. Everyone was pretty good. Why, why, usually are you, why are you laughing over, at me? They usually are over the top. It's kind of a summer camp trope, I find. Yeah. And the third uh, female friend is Jennifer Inch, who played Linny. Um, Jennifer Inch appeared in the director's uh, film Screwballs from 1983, I believe, uh, where she played uncredited... She was an uncredited actress who played... Um, her character's name was a breast exam student. So that happened. Um, Walter Massey played Ranswell, who is the head of Rancel Rancewell Pesticides, who is also the, um, he's the, the villain of the piece who's trying to build a pesticide plant on a state park next to this camp. Um, and he was in a ton of stuff. Um, Peter, Peter Virgile played Johnny Rocket, who was one of our heavy metalers, and Louis Tucci played Louis, who is the other heavy metaler. Um, and then there's a bunch of other characters. So James Wilder played Trucky. And who played... Who played Paul Giamatti? <laughs> oh, that was... Um, that was Brian... No, uh, Walter Massey. And Christopher Bolton pay, played Trailer, Trucky's younger brother. So yes, it's Trucky and Trailer. And he is... He played Kirk Stevens in My Secret Identity. He was the friend of... Uh, of What's-his-face? Guy from The Stand. Not The Stand. Jeremy O'Connell, Sorry. He played his best friend in um, the show My Secret Identity, which you was mean a, Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, Jerry O'Connell. What? Yeah. I don't care. Um, From Sliders. Yeah, and Tomcat. No, he wasn't in Tomcats. Oh, that Mr. show. Mr. Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Mm-hmm. Man. FYI. Yep. So, who wants to go through this film? Kit does because he's laughing so much. <laughs> I'm still laughing at my Sliders reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, the I must admit that was a really good reference. Good pull, Kit. I do like Sliders a lot. I watched that show growing up. The, except for the terrible... Seek, the the last couple seasons when he basically somehow got edited, Jerry O'Connell's character got merged with his brother and they became this new character because he left the show and they got a new girl to be the love interest while they slid around the universe or slid around parallel universes. How many seasons did that run? I watched like part of the first many. season with my dad and that, that's about it for me in Sliders. But... With, uh, with the guy from Lord of the Rings? Uh, Which one? What? Yeah. The, um, oh God, I can't believe I have to look up Sliders stuff now. <laughs> Orlando Bloom started. 
No, you don't no. Even watch it, Grant. I don't. <laughs> Sliders. <laughs> I can hear the pain in your voice. Why are you guys like trying to get away from? So um, we start at Wee Wonka Willy Park, as opposed to Wee Willy Wonka. It's Wee Wonka Willy. Yeah. And there's a man in a terrible-looking bear costume, who's kind of laying down the trials and tribulations of. We Wonka Willy Park. Yeah, this guy is like Mr. No Fun. Like, he doesn't let anything go down. What, the bear? No, the Paul Giamatti. The uh, Rantwell. Oh, yeah, the fascist no. park ranger. No, the... Yeah, the, the ranger. The fascist park ranger, yeah. a.k.a. Paul Giamatti. Has His character's well. name was Ranger Smite. Oh, smite, I smite you. Smite, yes. Yeah, so totally. But it starts off with these guys, like, rolling down the highway in zigzags, right? That's the heavy. That's the heavy metalers, uh, Johnny Rocket and Lewis. They're in their uh, what looks like a former ice cream truck. That they're driving across the country to LA, and they're going to try and make it in forty-eight hours. Um, but they roll off the road when Johnny falls asleep, and that's when Lewis says, "Oh, we can hang out at uh, We Wonka Park." Yeah, We Wonka Park. Yeah, because there's showers and RV hookups, but there's no alcohol, no skateboarding. And no going overboard. And they look like a Motley Crue cover band. Yeah, and then it shoots to this kid getting his skateboard snapped in half. Oh, yeah, the Boy Scout kid. Uh, so the law is being laid down. You can't do being squat. Laid down, yeah. You can't get to squat. You can't even skateboard around here. Like, go screw well, yourself. Well, I mean, like, there were some people who were trying to sneak out open containers into the park, and then they got turned away, and then it's followed by the kid getting his skateboard snapped in half. Sliders lasted for five years, by the way. <laughs> and this is where they're going to spend the night, these two, who are zigzagging down the highway, looking like, you know, these little heavy metalers that everybody's going to just snub all the time. This is where they're going. Yep. And that's where we meet our three female antagonists. AKA Eve, the three musketeers. The three musketeers, Eve, Marsha, and Linny. Uh, and, you know, we find out pretty quickly that... Uh, Eve's parents have gone bankrupt. Marsha is a rich girl, and Linny likes to cut hair, and she has a boyfriend, Eddie, that she wants to spend the rest of her life with. Um, and then they're in the lineup for the, to get to the park. And Linny expresses her disgust at heavy metalers. That's actually Marsha, Phil. Marsha, I'm sorry. Marsha. Don't look now, but it's Mr. Rocky Horror Show in person. I don't know, Marsha. He did something with his hair. He'd be kind of cute. He's a heavy metal. He's a disgusting lowlife. And that's interesting foreshadowing for where those characters wind up. Who knew it was the recipe for love? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're at camp. They're setting up. Um, Ransom shows up. Ransom shows up. Um, also, um, they, they established that uh, Ranswell wants to take over the land that um, mm-hmm. the Honey Cuts. The Honey Cuts own. Yeah. He wants to open up another pesticide plant. Yes. Another pesticide plant. And the Honey Cuts run mm-hmm. their family business. Which is like a convenience store convenience for, store the, for the park shop. Yeah. 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 yeah, for the park. And truck shop. Truck sh- truck. A tuck shop. A tuck shop. Tuck shop? Yeah. Don't you like, mean you truck know, shop? Truck stop? Tuck shop. Have you never heard of a tuck shop, Grant? No, apparently it's another Ontario term that I'm not familiar with. Well, it's like a convenience store where you can get anything. You get you could get worms to go fishing. You could get, like, a sandwich. You can get whatever you need. Christy Pitts has a little tuck shop there. Um, 
Yeah, the ball diamond, where you can get food and stuff. I, I, I don't, I don't know that term. It's. I had a Mr. Burns moment where like my head just flashed to a dictionary and it went like, you know, ragamuffin. <laughs> Tuck and like it just went to like tuck to <laughs> exactly. Um, so, anyways, they go, they set up early on. Uh, so, um, uh, Kim is wearing or not Kim, that's her, her actual name. Eve is wearing a Earth Avenger shirt or something, and that's yeah, Save Mother Earth, Save that's Mother Earth, thing. and that's what ticks off uh, the oh, don't eat the animals or something. No, no that's that's that, Lewis. That heavy metal guy, yeah. Oh, Lewis. right, right, sorry. Yep. Um, and the, his t-shirt was like, be kind to animals. Right. Um, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Dot, 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 dot. It was, it was clearly a joke that was set up that then they never filmed the back of his shirt. So we don't know what the answer was, you know, be kind to animals, cook them alive or something like that. It was going to be some like, you know, yeah, you're going to eat, eat them. And which brings us to Nooch, the Nooch. The well, new well, gets, the new jets better now we're ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, here's the thing. I'm jumping. I'm jumping. Us yes. trying to get through the plot of this is almost difficult because it's such a easygoing movie. And it's just, it's really just the, the charm of the teen or the kids in this movie. And they're not really kids. They're like in their mid-20s or whatever. But it's, it. you know what? They don't make movies like this anymore. And I'm kind of sad about it. Like, this is kind of like a movie you would find on. It's, it's the typical 80s comedy. It's mm-hmm. like Meatballs or Ernest Goes to Camp. Yeah. Or... Definitely. Do you guys remember Porky's? Yeah, it it's was like only, a, it's only the kind of movie that what Hot American Summer riffs off. Of. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely like a because it's like many times we mentioned like why is this movie rated R because there's no real foul language. There's nothing really like in it. It's just every now and then there's there's some the nudity. shots of nudity. Yeah, but if you took all that out, it would be a PG movie. Yeah, exactly. And you know this kind of feels like the movie that you would see the edited version of on city TV on like a Sunday afternoon or something. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just it's a fun, great, and so the whole so the whole thing is uh, Chucky is dressing up in the costume of Wee Wonka Willie, who is kind of like their Smokey the Bear, and he is sabotaging this pesticide construction site every night. Uh, he's kind of like the Batman of the forest. What are you guys laughing at? I love it. I just love it. I think it's. <laughs> he's a Forest Avenger. Yeah, Forest Avenger. Yeah. Wee Wonka Willie. Um, although, although when I first saw him, like I, a part of me was kind of hoping that the movie because the movie he was, was actually going to be a talking bear. I thought it was just going to be an anthropomorphic bear because that's also such a trope, kind of like the yeah. gopher and caddy shack. I know, that, I know, yeah, yeah, the gopher. And that like, the movie is just so cheap that they just had like doing the bear suit. So that whole bear. notion was soon over when the bear stripped, and we see that he's wearing jean short yes, jean he's shorts. He's a never nude, that like whole, Tobias. That whole notion went out the window, didn't it? Who did? Who called? Who that? Who belonged to those shorts? Yeah. Whose butt cheeks belonged to those shorts? Did I call you it or what? You totally called it well. Yeah, yeah. I love the so, anyways, the the film, the reason why we thought he might have been an anthropomorphic beer that could talk is because the movie starts from his POV, and it almost starts like a horror movie, and then it goes back to his little bear cave where he's like talking and like making a martini and like muddling oh, yeah. like strawberries or something or like <laughs> yes. or cherries, yeah. and he's like, and he's talking about like I'm gonna stop them, but the thing is. It's just the bear talking directly to camera, uh, and it yeah. never happens again. <laughs> no, and I'm pretty sure it's like breaking the fourth wall. And it's you just never. This really that's the second time that happens. That it's early, a little bit earlier on. He's uh, kind of narrating something like he's kind of. Yeah, that's the, that's the first time. That's the yeah. Oh, that right, is the right, fir- with the berries. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah with the berries or something. He's muddling them. No, Lil's right. It does happen again later on in the where film. he talks directly. Oh yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah he does talk directly to camera. So like, and part of me as well was hoping there's just an anthropomorphic bear out there like sabotaging pesticides. Nope. No, it is Trucky in disguise, and Eve actually accidentally stumbles across uh, the bear's hideout, and when he's disrobing, 
sees him in his jorts and remarks, <laughs> "They're jorts." Ass. Um, that's her line, not mine. Yeah. And then later on, he when he's about to go swimming, he like takes his shirt off, takes his jeans off to reveal he was wearing jorts, jorts? underneath the jeans. <laughs> um, she didn't only say "great ass." She said, "I know that ass." That's afterward. That's when she sees it again. When he oh. he goes, he jumps into the water, and she's like. I know that ass. She also says, uh, We Wonka Willie has a great ass. That's how she. Yeah, that's how she. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's better. Uh, right. Um, and then. Uh, There's I don't know. very egalitarian ass admiration in this movie. Yeah. And equal opportunity, too. There's We get a couple uh, male butt shots or moodity, as Kit named it. Was it moodity? Dudity. Dudity, sorry. Yeah, dude nudity. Dudity. Um, and. <laughs> Yeah. So, anyways, the romantic inc- with 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 a, with a duck with ducks as an intro, like how well, you fitting. can't hear. I'm kind of face palming right. Now. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're at, folks. Dudity. Um, oh, can I just throw something in? My aunt, when we were Tsukasa, when we were when we were little, and we, we, I mean, I mean, what else did we do but watch movies if we weren't playing outside? So. We would be watching movies with the elders, and if there was a scene where ducks would be coming up, right? Mm-hmm. If you guys catch my, if you guys catch my meaning, she would be like, "Mutiti," which means like, "Children, okay, children, it's time to go to bed." But it was also a play on nudity. It was like an alarm, like, "Nud, nudity," right? Mutiti, dirty means kids. Anyway, sorry, I thought I'd throw that in. My, my grandma would just run in front of the screen and go, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Oh, my, I remember, okay, so in... Uh, Thankfully, I've never had these awkward moments as oh a kid. Oh, my God, it's the worst when all of a sudden someone's like, oh, no, I gotta get up and turn off the TV right now. Because, yeah, I was actually at, like, a family reunion and Revenge of the Nerds was on TV, and it was, like, it was on TV, so we assumed, oh, it must be edited for TV, but... What what we nope. didn't realize is that they had like it was like MPix or HBO or something at this hotel, oh. and so there's the panty raid going on, and all of a sudden one adult from like the kids are all watching it, then one adult, adult from like way across the room realizes what's going on, and he just bolts up and he's like, "Oh no!" and he just because it was this like cottage that we had rented, and he's just like he makes a beeline through all the people and all the kids. He's like you know <laughs> going through a maze to like turn off the TV, um, and he's just like. Phew. Oh, I kind of like let it like a. All right. Oh, I remember this movie. Yeah. Oh my Revenge god. Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds. Oh my god. Or, I can just see him. His heart probably stopped. Just, just, just like I, as I a have kid. to say that movie in like um, a Toby voice, like Toby in American Splendor, yeah. is played by Judah Friedlander. Yeah. Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. It's oh my god, that movie is so problematic for a lot of stuff. Yes. Um the rape oh, scene that's that's uh, con- no, yeah listen no. we're not talking about it we're not okay. talking about it well, one Thankfully, movie that's not problematic is heavy metal summer mm. and actually except yeah. except for ted nugent yeah ted nugent. <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of sexist as well but it, it's it not really the movie a little bit but the girls all win the race they do yeah and the, it's not even like a, oh we're women we're doing it they just win because like yeah of course they're gonna win they're the smartest characters in the entire movie Although the hairdresser's kind of, like, played out. Yeah, but the thing is, she also is, like... I I would say that, like, she decides to be independent and not beholden to her boyfriend. And then afterwards, she decides, like, hey, I don't have to be the town hoe. I can be my own woman. You know what? I apologize, Lil. Am I mansplaining that? No, I like that. 
Yeah, she's being uh, her own woman. All right. We also have the two dumb blondes, but they're guys. But they're dudes. The dumb blondes in this movie are dudes, and it's <laughs> yeah. I love it when they're like all in a race at some point, and then uh, one of them is like. He bumps into somebody. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to go first? Or like, am I going too fast or something? I'll slow down. They're just silly throughout. Yeah. And then, so the ringers that old man Ranswell hires to like win the race so he doesn't have to pay out the $5,000 scholarship. Like one of them karate chops, one of the, the dumb blonde boy in the back of the neck. And the guy like kind of like falls out and goes like, oh, cha, good one, man. And then he keeps going. <laughs> and it's just like, what happened oh, there? Man, yeah. <laughs> and then he keeps running away. Um, we also have the uh, the scene where they're in their speedboat and the girls try to. They're all like, "Well, what does it look across oh, oh, yeah, the lake? So, I'd so, like to see that." So Marsha and Linny go up to the dumb blonde dudes and they're like, and because like Marsha is trying to tell Linny like, "Hey, you don't have to dedicate your whole life to one man. You should, you know, explore your options." And so she goes like, "Let's let's go go pick up these guys." And so the dumb blondes are getting uh, their speedboat set up, and the the girls are like. Hey, I always wondered what the other side of the lake looks like. And they turn the dumb blonde dudes turn around, look at the other side of the lake, and go like, eh, it pretty much looks like here, but with some more trees." <laughs> and then the girls walk away, and the guys are like, "You know, I bet in a couple of days we could get them to go for a ride in our motorboat." <laughs> and then they laugh and like, "Yeah," and take off in their boat. It's great. Um, yeah, those characters are gr- even at the end of the movie when the ringers are caught in like a net, and the the ringers are just like, "Cut us down, please! We're trapped up here." There's a no trespassing sign in front of them, so the dumb blonde dudes are just like, well, we can't because there's a no trespassing sign, man. See you later. We'll save you a beer at the party. (laughs) Cha. Um, (laughs) I think cha is like the best dumb dude (laughs) sounds. Cha, you know. um, Oh, um, we haven't even got to the part. It's established pretty early on where what's her face L- Linny, Linny, the hairdresser, yeah. No, oh. not Linny. Marsha, 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 yes. who's grossed up a meddler. Yes, Kit kind of mentioned that. Yeah, um, she's yeah. He's he's oh, going for a swim. Right, he's going for a swim, and his makeup is like washed off, and he's just yeah, in a speedo. So she oh, sees yes. him with her binoculars, and he kind of looks like the opening credits to Baywatch with the dudes. Uh, yeah, and she her breath is kind of taken away, and she goes up and swooning, and yeah, and says like, "Oh, good backstroke," and the guy's like, "Ah, uh, nice bathing suit." Like it's very awkward and cute, and so they spend the day together, and they kind of share a little kiss. And then there's a party at their campsite later on that night. And he's back in heavy and metal. And he's having heavy metal get up. And she's like, oh, no, he's a heavy meddler. And that's 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 their term for metalheads is heavy meddlers. They're meddlers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then it goes into um, the day my kid went punk mode. Uh, oh, right. When she like tries to confront him, it's like, well, why do you dress that way? And he's like, why do you dress? You freak? Yeah. You're, you're like a human billboard. Do you yeah. wear anything? There's no, there's, no, there's no brand name on it. I really don't have a boyfriend. Truth is, I didn't know. I told you I was a musician. But you didn't tell me you were a heavy meddler. At our school, heavy meddlers are considered to be the creeps, the lowlifes, the scumbags, the trash, the geek. I get it. I get it. I never even talked to a heavy meddler before. Will you stop putting that label on me? I'm a musician. I just don't play wit music. Okay, sorry. But you have to admit, you look really weird. I look weird? Just all those chains and spikes and leather and stuff that make you look so ridiculous. 
<laughs> no offense. I happen to like what I wear. I think it's kind of neat. Peachy keen at that. It's my style, and it says something about me. What? I like chains and spikes and leather and all that stuff. You don't have to yell. I'm trying to apologize. What about what you wear? Me? I this happens to be a $200 jogging suit. Have you ever worn anything without someone else's name on it? Everything has to have a name on it. Somebody has to make it. You don't have to advertise. Uh, Sergio, Halston, Camelli's, Calvin. You're a walking billboard. You're calling me a billboard? Yeah. What does that make you? Gone. And she's like, well, all clothes have names on it. they got to be made by someone. And his response is, yeah, but you don't have to advertise it. Um, so it's the classic, like, star-crossed lovers. Yeah. Conformist versus nonconformist. Opposites attract, I know. et cetera. It's such a sad love story because, like... And, oh, like fiction. This this movie is warmly and wonderfully predictable, I think. Yeah, and it, it's just nice. And it's like a, it's like a nice, you know, day at a lake. If it was the 1980s, there were no cell phones. I, I wonder what the ghost has to say. Is the ghost around? The ghost is waving off this microphone. Okay, ghost. Yeah. I wonder what Pamela Voorhees has to say. Our resident oh, raccoon. Our resident raccoon. Let me, let She's kind of gone because now we have those new like raccoon-proof green bins. So uh, a lot of the, a lot of the raccoons in this neighborhood have actually gotten angry and have taken trying to break into houses to get food. We need to find Pamela. And make I'm sure not she's kidding. Okay. That's actually happening. Pamela the raccoon. She's fine. They're, they're resourceful ones. Those trash pandas. Survivors. Yeah, trash pandas. Um, we love you, Pamela. Stay safe. That's her scratching at the walls. Uh, Why does she join us? <laughs> yeah, baby, 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 baby. No, not now. He's not laughing now. Um, <laughs> He's sort of laughing. Uh, my my reaction to that was like, I'm not even gonna. No. no. Um, <laughs> so back to the movie. Um, so are we still? Going oh, well, the, the, the heavy punk. Yeah, they they kind of go through that back and forth, and yeah. then then they eventually reach an understanding that yeah. like they're different, but it's okay. And then she she. Yeah, she shows up in this like really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's she's a bit hurt because like oh, she, he, he he really got under her skin, and then he uh, thinks I'm a brand name. So then uh, the other two musketeers, billboards, sorry. yeah, billboards. So then the other the two musketeers are like, hey, we've got we an idea, and then somehow inexplicably, it's not explained. Not that it matters. Uh, they find some uh, heavy metaler garb for her, and uh, it's like a studded couple studded bracelets and oh, some yeah. black clothes. Yeah. Oh come on! There's a lot of shit you can find around the campyard. Sure. And mm-hmm. heavy metaler dude ha- even has like a studded blow dryer. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was super cool. Um, it's actually like, do you guys remember that NBC sitcom City Guys? It was like the urban version of uh, Saved by the Bell. No. Okay, they did an episode where one of the main dudes in that show uh, falls for a goth girl, and he's all preppy, and so they both decide, like, hey, screw what everyone else thinks, screw appearances, let's just be together. So he dresses up like a goth, and she dresses up like a prep, and they meet up, and it's hilarious. Um, Nice. That's what this movie kind of reminded me of as soon as I saw it. I'm like, it's like that episode of City Guys. You guys don't remember City Guys? No, somehow. I thought I knew all those shows. The T, you weren't familiar with the TNBC lineup? That's Saturday on NBC. 
Nope. Okay. Do you guys remember Student Bonnies? Yes. Yes, the Canadian teen sitcom. Okay. Start, starring that dude from, um, from what was it? Are You Afraid of the Are Dark? Are Afraid of the Dark, who's now a weatherman on Global. Right, right, right. right. It's always weird. See- Wasn't he in, um, what's that? Ready or Not? What's yeah, that? he was in an episode of Ready or Not. Totally, yeah. Oh, Ready or Not. Ready or Not. What will your mother say? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I, w- I watched that show growing up in Newfoundland and nobody could relate to it whatsoever because there's all these like city problems and issues and stuff and we were just like, well, who the hell are these jerks? And it was nationwide. This is so southwestern Ontario problems. <laughs> yeah, what the hell, Scarborough. Ugh. Um, I still feel that way now. Um, oh man, our listenership in Scarborough just dropped like a rock. We love you, Scarborough listeners. No, we don't. Yes, we do. <laughs> Yes, we do. We love everybody. Yeah, don't we, we... Don't we, Yeah, we love everybody. Thanks, Lil. Okay, yeah. Except yeah. for James Cameron. Yeah. And yeah. Paul Shear guy, or what, what, what was it? Yeah, Graham hates Paul Shear. Yeah, Paul Shear and James Cameron, you're on this podcast hit list. <laughs> but somehow you're fine with Jason Manzukis and uh, June Diane Raphael of How Did This Get Made. Yeah, I don't know who those people are. They're I the co-hosts of How Did This Get Made. Paul Shear's the main guy, that's why I know it. Paul okay. Shear, I know you're out there. And I hate you. You hear me? I hate you. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't, I don't hate anybody. But uh, James Cameron seriously stopped making those Avatar films for the love of God. He's, he's made one. But he's he's, he's one. working. He's shooting two, three, four, five, and six right now. I have no idea. Man, the Brandons have been blowing up your Facebook with their uh, their love of. I know. I don't know what it is with guys named Brandon loving James Cameron. His name is James, James Cameron, the bravest pioneer. No budget too steep, no seat too deep. Who's that? It's him, James Cameron. <laughs> it seems about right, actually. Yeah, the rhyming name. C and C and whatever. Sure. <laughs> um. So, anyways. Oh, sorry, Brandon. What am I saying? See. Hmm. I'll I'll chew on that, just like I chewed on uh, Chris Kitt's middle name. <laughs> <laughs> Kit's face right now is a look of pain and sorrow. Um, uh, yeah, I was batting up for that one. <laughs> knocked it right out of the park, Lil. So, back to Heavy Metal Summer. Um, so, oh, we should mention that trailer. Uh, Trucky's younger brother is kind of smitten with Linny. And, yes. uh, yeah, just kinda. and he gets his hair cut by her. Yeah, and it doesn't go where he thought it was going to no. go. Um, early on in the film, she cuts the hair of a young ornithologist, um, and they make love. And so then tra- Trailer is like trying so hard to get her to cut his hair. And when he finally does, she's just like, yeah, it doesn't do it for me anymore. And he's so heartbroken. But he has his ducky moment from Pretty in Pink where they go to the big party or the heavy metal show um, where... Uh, Johnny Rocket Lewis um, and Marsha are performing Love Like a Chainsaw. No, Love is Like a Chainsaw is the name of the song. With Oh, the, so Lewis and Rocket, they're, um, they're next door neighbors at the, at the uh, camping park, are this delightful old couple. And they're Tallahassee Fred. Tallahassee Fred. And I don't remember his wife's name. Neither do I, unfortunately. Kit does. Kit does? I don't remember his wife. I just remember Johnny Rocket um, really is afraid of old people. That's Lewis. 
No, no. Oh, yeah. Yes, no. Lewis. Lewis. Johnny Rocket is the guy that falls falls for Marsha. Lewis is the other guy. The black-haired guy. Fully yeah, black. Lewis is the guy that's like, old people, they scare the shit out of me. Remember he was grilling the rock of ribs, and then he was like throwing gasoline on it, and then oh, those yeah, old I, people I were like, hi. Okay, his name's Lewis, and he's like, apparently. <gasps> anyway, yeah, he's afraid of mm-hmm. um, old, people. old people. But then again, they turn out to be movie old people, and they're all into the cool stuff that the kids love. And so he's drumming away on his electric drum kit in the back of their van and they come over and it seems like they're going to shut him down and say turn that music off young man but instead they actually fix his audio setup or electronic uh, drum kit setup so that it actually plays louder that is labeled the nuge d-a nuge and they're essentially like you know that greasy that greasy hinge on a door where you add a little bit of oil or whatever a little bit of grease they basically did that to his like system (laughs) they're like this is gonna make you play louder Mm -hmm. he's like louder that's what i want and also early on in the film the whole reason why the heavy metalers are there is because they want a rocket to to do the race uh to win the five thousand dollars so they can get a a louder pa system and they said and when you're that loud you could even get someone like Ted Nugent to jam with you. Big old like foreshadowing right there. And remember that uh, campgrounds are in the Michigan region. Yeah. Who else is from? The Motor City Madman is from there. That's the right. Nuge. Ted the Nuge Nugent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the unfortunate Ted Nugent. That was, see, that's the thing. In the 80s, he was still kind of all right. But n- I don't think Kit's so. Kit's like w- waving his hand at me like, no, I know he's not all right, Kit. I'm not saying I'm a fan of him. I'm not saying that he's like Bill Cosby. I'm just he saying that back then he wasn't right such a scumbag openly. His scumbagginess wasn't known all. I don't know why I'm getting so angry at this, Kit. Cat's Crutch Fever is a scumbaggy song. What are you talking about? I make the pussy purr with the palm of my hand. Remember? He's just talking about petting his cat. What the hell is wrong with you? That, no, no, that's not the one. What is that? That's the love machine you're singing. I'm just the love machine. No, no, no. No, never mind. They give me cat scratch fever. Cat scratch fever. Come on, guys. In the 70s. I'm in love with you. This podcast should just be us trying to sing songs and not sing getting songs those. we can't remember the lyrics of. Yeah, I only know two Ted Nugent songs: "Cat Scratch Fever" and "Stranglehold." Yeah, from the Dazed and Confused. Soundtrack. Those are the only songs by Ted Nugent you need like to know. A wowie Zowie song. Or? What's the Dazed and Confused? How does the Dazed and Confused song one go? Here I come again, now, baby. baby like a man, like a dog in heat. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> It's a good song. It is, but oh my god. Okay, so back to the film. So anyways. Oh, and so we should explain that this race that uh, that Eve is entering to try and win the money to go to university, um, it's a three-pronged race. It's a triathlon in a way. So it's swimming, kayaking, and orienteering. And orienteering, for those of you who didn't go through the Canadian Boy Scout system, is uh, it's where you use a map. Um, and a compass to find flags that have um, sequential uh, hole punches attached to them, and you would punch your um, your card in the order in which it was listed to win uh, that race. So Kim need or uh, Eve needs to do this, and since she knows who Wee Wonka Willie is, 
Um, she actually uses that knowledge to blackmail Chucky, who actually is an expert at orienteering, to teach her orienteering, and that's where their love and, and blossoms and grows, and she gets on... Enroll in an orienteering class. Yeah, the orienteering class are all filled up. Um, that was a heartbreaking moment for her, wasn't it? Yes, so it I was. remember it too. Yeah, because she was good with kayaking. She was good at swimming. It's just the orienteering. Kit, your face right now is like. She was so cute. She's very Marilyn Monroe, wasn't she? A little bit like, like very like, and like her blonde hair, and it was short, and she was always smiling, and she was so like happy and positive all the time. I don't know. I just got that little bit, little tinge of Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, that was Linny played by uh, Jennifer Inch. Oh, it was Meryl who wanted to get into orienteering? No, 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 e- Eve wanted to get into orienteering. Meryl, she got it right. Meryl Streep. Oh, Meryl Streep. Sorry, yes. yeah. But I was describing um, his hair cutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, after everyone kind of gets together, they before the big race, they have a concert where the uh, the heavy metal band plays now with uh, Marsha in full heavy metal um, uh, garb singing. Although she looks like a member of the Bangles. She does look like a member of the Bangles. And it's also not really metal. It's more like just like some... Hard rock pop. Hard rock pop from uh, 1988, which it was. Yeah, kind of like Alana Miles. Exactly. It was very Alana Miles. And, or Pat Benatar. And, um... <laughs> or Scandal. Yeah. Or, I would say Lita Ford more. more. It's more yeah. Lita Ford. Lita Ford was a little louder, but yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah um, but, uh, so anyways, the song is called Love, Love is Like a Chainsaw, featuring uh, Johnny Rocket on bass, Lewis on drums, uh, Tallahassee Fred as uh on guitar and his wife on chainsaw and then all of a sudden the crowd parts and the the music goes drops down and lewis goes about 40 miles to the north and I heard the music and I said to myself Mr. Tasty it's time to move it's time to get down it'd be time to jam and I gotta tell you you play loud wow that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me man I see you met our grandson Teddy your grandson you're kidding how do you think I learned to play like this one two three four So anyways, they, uh, Ted jams with them, and then the next day is the race, and long story short, there's some commotion at uh, old man Ranswell's, and Ranswell throughout this whole thing, he's trying to shut down the park, he's trying to steal, um, Chucky and Trailer's land, which he does succeed in, and... 
the race happens. The ringers cheat. Um, Lenny rolls just for fun. The ringers beat a lot of people. It's actually, yeah, they actually they're like, not even just that good. They just they just violently assault people. Yeah, they just hit people. And uh, then there's a commotion over at Ranswell's thing, and Ranswell is actually using the race as a distraction while he puts toxic waste into the ground and buries it before anyone realizes it. What a jerk! No, just yeah, I know total '80s scumbag. Oh yeah, he looks like a cross between Brian Doyle Murray and uh, the infamous Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh look, they're having fun. Let me like do my shit right now." And then, exactly. um, what's his face? Uh, Jorts guy, um, Trucky. Trucky. He tails um, Rancewell, and uh, he brings his camera with him mm-hmm. to get photographic evidence. But then he is caught, and he engages in a fight for his life against Rancewell's thugs, who use, like, an axe handle, and, like, they fight. Um, yeah, yeah, the axe handle. And uh, then Eve, just as she's about to win, because luckily enough, the hill that they have to cross to get to the finish line gives them a equal view of the finish line and of Rancewell's toxic waste, waste dump. dump. And so she chooses to abandon her race to go save Chucky, and she does this she by... She dons a bear suit and steals his a motorcycle. motorcycle. So she's bear on a motorcycle. A motorcycle riding bear like you used to see in the circus back when we were cool to animals. Yeah, and there's a neat chase, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because she goes in, she breaks up the... Oh, we also forgot the, the part where um, Chucky in the bear suit uh, steals a backhoe or a, a, a whatchamacallit. Yeah, backhoe, and basically points it at a um, building, and it goes up and touches the building, and the building oh, explodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just out of nowhere, this building just like, it's like, oh, they're gonna. Bing! And then it goes. Pops like a balloon, yeah. yeah. So. Or like when you cut a watermelon that just is dying to be like cut, and you just put the knife, and then just go. You guys ever cut a watermelon that just popped? Like, you just put the blade right onto the skin, and it just goes, like, it just cracks open. No, but that sounds terrifying. It's pretty cool. It means you're going to get a soft watermelon, yeah. like a sweet one. I don't think I've ever actually cut open a watermelon. Do they scream? I do. You do I just, I just, just buy slices. <laughs> I buy slices. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those guys. So, um, long story short, the bear, like, uh, uh, Eve in the bear suit saves Chucky, um, there's a heroin chase. Uh, Linny actually wins the race by because she actually studied up on the yeah. wilderness trail. Just nonchalantly wins the race because she's going slow. She's just doing it for fun. Just like, oh, the nature and all this stuff. Yeah. She, she's like the tortoise from Aesop's Fables. She's the positive uh, one. She's always like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's the Pollyanna. She's, yeah, the Pollyanna. she's the Pollyanna, yeah. She's the one but that says, like, come on, guys, we're Aesop's the three musketeers. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, and she, like, every time someone's down, she's like, come on, we can figure it out. We're the three musketeers. She really is the glue that holds this film together. Um... Sorry, kid's face right now. He's just staring off at the ceiling, looking like, what am I doing here? He's blown away by this movie. He's just like, wow. (laughs) Is that what's... And Kit is nodding his head. Yeah. Kit's nonverbal this episode. We're not even fighting. Um... Uh, so what happens after that? I think that's uh, pretty much. This oh. is our least controversial movie. Yeah, so it is. There's no fight back and forth after because I edited the uh, the Hubble with a shotgun episode earlier today, and it was just like we're, it's just constantly like you're wrong, no you're wrong, no you're wrong, no you're wrong. Um, I started swearing again, even. I know. Ooh. Swearing, Phil is a is 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 
a sight to behold. It's very heavy metal of you, Phil. <laughs> Thank you, Kat. Swearing, Phil. Um, not like this movie, which is not very heavy metal at all. Um, so, Apple, nor is right, it profane. Right. So, I, I think that swearing, Phil, should be like your hip hop name. So, anyways, after the chase, they wind up back at the finish line. Um, and the okay, so Trucky has stolen the truck with some of the toxic waste barrels in it. They get there. Uh, Rancewell's secret uh, police force uh, kind of kidnaps um, the. Um, they don't kidnap, but they like grab Trucky and Eve, and so they like, go. Oh, it's I knew it was you kids all along, like ruining my uh, my my. Is you meddling toxic, kids ruining my toxic waste dump? Um, and as they're about to be dragged off to jail, they're like, no, 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 he's dumping toxic waste, and no one believes it. Old uh, Ranger Smite, he puts, he says, get this truck out of here. Uh, Ransel tells Smite to get the truck out of there, and uh, Smite apparently can't drive a stick shift, so he starts pulling every lever, including the one for the truck release. Wrong Remember from um, Emperor's New Groove? Wrong level. She pulls the wrong level. I actually never saw The Emperor's New Groove. Oh my god, please do. It's so funny. Next week on Death by Video. Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> How groovy can this emperor get? Such a Not good very. Come on, um, James Spader and the guy from... Um, the guy who plays Kronk is in that show... Matt, uh, oh, David Spade's in that, is he not? I don't David know. David Spade. Spader did is. I say James Spade? Yeah, Sorry, I'm, I always royally mix those two up. It's crazy because their names are so similar. Okay, because their names not of who they are. No, no, not because who they are. <laughs> there is a clear like. distinction. <laughs> but FYI, I sometimes I sometimes mix their names up, and sometimes is usually always. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yep. Um, so, okay, so toxic waste falls out of the back of the truck. It spills over uh, Ranswell and Smite. A Boy Scout comes along and tells Smite he is an embarrassment to the uniform of Park Ranger, rips his badges off, um, and... They're apparently iron-ons. Yeah, apparently, and then... Strips him of all this power. It's kind of sad for, for like, a split second. But then we get over it. Yeah, and then the police take away Ranswell and Smite, and... Uh, Linny gives her $5,000 scholarship over to Eve, saying, We're the Three Musketeers. That's what friends are for. And consider it a loan. Yeah, so it's not as bittersweet with as one interest? would hope. No, it didn't say with interest. It was more like just, oh, yeah, eh. yeah, We don't have to go there. She ran the race for fun. This happened. She's helping out her friend. Her friend decided to sacrifice her own financial gain in order to save the environment and her soon-to-be-loved Trucky. The awfully named Chucky, and that they even say in it like, "Oh, is that a nickname that you got playing sports?" And he's like, "No, that was the name my mother gave me when I was born." In a truck. He, he wasn't born in a truck. I think that's what they say. No, the whole thing is that uh, he was called Chucky because uh, his mother grew to the size of a truck. And his brother's name is what? Trailer. What's the story behind that so one? So she grew to the size. Of there isn't any. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Um, so yeah, the movie ends. Uh, even oh. I wonder if his mother's name is Automobile. Maybe her his father's name is Otto. Father, okay. So his mother's name is probably like, um, uh, Corvetta or something. I like that. I like, I like that. I love how you went <laughs> like European Corvetta. I like it. I like that so a lot. So yeah, the movie ends. Eve and, Eve and Chucky, Chucky spend a night in the bear cave. Um, Eve's in the bear suit, and 
And Chucky's not. He's in his jorts. And uh, then we... She throws it like the bear mask gets thrown off and then there's credits. a freeze frame. And mm-hmm. Credits. Yep. But yeah, the mask gets taken off before and it's revealed that it's her and all that. And, yeah. and then it just gets tossed higher in the air and that's the end. And then we're treated to a really terrible knockoff of the song, Oh Yeah, by well, Yellow. enjoyed, right? Oh, we enjoyed it because it also went, oh, yeah, State, State Park. Park. <laughs> oh, and it didn't finish the yeah because that would be too. Oh. oh. Yeah. I don't think they want to get sued by yellow. State Park. Oh. So I wanted to, I wanted to say that like we, we, I wanted like the ghosts wanted to mix up uh, what we were watching. So we watched this, you know, uh, and I, and I mean, I found this film on a whim. It was on the side of the street in a box full of VHS tapes and the VHS tape played. And when I watched it last week, I was like, Oh my God, we should totally watch this. It's totally different from anything we watch. It's actually cherry heartwarming and good, very good natured, not very controversial. Like in the hobo with a shotgun episode or other episodes, um, no one was going to go nuts over it like tough turf, but it's a very nice movie i mean that's what i have to say it's it's a nice movie which we don't really get enough of anymore final thoughts guys phil what are your final thoughts um it was watchable forget watchable and forgettable but you know i it was enjoyable um enough uh it's kind of the epitome it's the epitome of like a vhs movie i find yeah yeah it's kind of movie you watch on vhs exactly kit what are your thoughts Watchable is a hell of a pull quote. <laughs> Watchable. <laughs> um, Phil Bardak, 2017. Um, I don't know. I'm, uh, I haven't been very vocal this episode because I'm so cozy in my little sleeping bag here. And, uh, of course, Phil's... Uh, no, Phil set a little fire here in the, uh, in the abandoned video store, which is really cozy. We've mm-hmm. got marshmallows going. and um, the, the, the film Weird. is as cozy as this Ghostbuster sleeping bag that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. I like you. Lillian, by the way, she has a wonderful Alice Cooper um, sleeping bag, which is in yeah. keeping with her heavy metal summer theme. So mm. she came prepared. I did not. Yeah. Oh, you guys don't bring your sleeping bags everywhere you go. You do. <laughs> yeah. You never know when you need to take a nap kit. Phyllis, of course, wearing a night uh, is has a very nice uh, argyle sleeping bag, which we're all very jealous of. Yeah, it looks it's it's very fashionable. I was very pleasantly surprised with everybody's sleeping Thank bag game tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I know my Nicholas Winding Refn sleeping bag. It's one of a kind. I actually had to like get it made specially. Uh, it's sleeping bags are us on Young Street, um, but uh, I hope he appreciates it because I'm a big fan of uh, NWR. Did they, oh, did they extend their hours? Are they open twenty four seven now? No, they're open, only open until midnight, uh, Monday through Friday, and then Saturday they're open until 2, Sunday they're open from noon until 6. Sick. Yeah. So for all of your sleeping bag needs, uh, it's Sleeping Bags Are Us on Young Street, close to uh, College <laughs> Station. Is that, in the, oh. uh, is that in the sleeping bag district? It is, right next to Sleepy Time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just south of Sleepy Time and north of uh, Snuggleville. Snuggleville. Yeah, Snuggleville, like, I mean, their stuff is nice, but it's just not, it's no, uh, it's no Sleeping Bags or Us. Sleeping Bags or Us. Sleepy you know. Time, for that matter. Oh, I'm yeah. super cheesy now with uh, Cabbage Town and the Cabbage Patch Kids. That would be a nice, like, kind of marriage with Sleepy Town. <laughs> I don't know. A Cabbage Patch Kid? Cabbage Patch Kids. And, I mean, there is a Cabbage Patch Kids store in Cabbage Town. It's right next to the Cabbage Mart. There's also a Garbage Pail Kids in Garbage Town. (laughs) 
Yeah, I know. Oh man, Garbage Town, Ontario. That place is just <laughs> was born under a bad sign. I mean, that's where all of our garbage goes, where the big garbage dump is in Garbage Town, where there's a garbage pail kids store, and they also sell garbage. They actually produce garbage bags um, on uh, Trash Street. Um, and actually, fun fact: yeah. um, all of Toronto's raccoons actually hail from there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, from Trash Panda Cove. I heard that. I heard that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. They're about it in the star. Yeah, they're all from uh, Trash Panda Cove, and they first immigrated. They f- were first brought to Toronto to combat the uh, the infamous uh, piles of green uh, waste that were everywhere in the 1960s. And uh, then once they eliminated that, they just like their natural predator, the um, the uh, the trash kangaroo, um, uh, which is of course a llama. They all kind of died off in the 1970s purge. <laughs> Uh, the, the Great Llama Purge of 1977, which was done to clear space to build Exhibition Stadium for the Blue Jays to play in. Um, here, here. <laughs> the Toronto Baseball Birds. Lillian, what are your final thoughts on Heavy Metal Summer? Yeah, I liked it. It, it touched upon all those like little things that need to be touched upon in a good, hearty kind of afternoon kind of movie. You know? It's got the wrong side of the tracks kind of love thing but like it's just different worlds coming together and then it's got that grumpy miser and these people who yeah this this movie is basically every 80s camp movie you've ever seen yep it is uh, it there is a lot and it's done in a way that's uh not like in your face or like you know slapping you around and going here this is what i want to say it's just like totally chill and like you know it's take it or leave it, and you kind of end up taking it. Like it's just kind of it's watchable. Nice. It's watchable. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I got very scared there for a second because when Lillian said it's not in your face, like uh, she actually grabbed me by my my shirt collar, and I thought for a second she was gonna hit me. Uh, in my sleeping bag here. Um, so <laughs> it's on your face, like I'm in your face right now. That was pretty much how I felt. Um, but uh, no, it's it's also there's a lot of uh, very important. Like it's weird how it's also a very 2017 movie because the majority of the film the plot is based around environmental like people denying climate change and also there are some native rights issues because as they established Chucky and trailer their grandfather was a uh, a native american uh, medicine man uh kind of they use a less uh 2017 appropriate quote but it wasn't meant in an offensive way they were also like establishing the fact that these guys are these guys' feet are planted into the earth, you know? Whereas these chicks who are strolling in and the heavy metalers, they're just passing through, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Trucky and Trailer are there for the long haul. Um, yeah, I mean, I like it. It's it's just a fun 80s movie that you can throw on and enjoy, and you don't need to overanalyze it or, over, or overthink it. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, uh, full disclosure. You'd highly recommend it? I, I would recommend. Yeah, well, yeah, I would. I would. I would, Phil. I recommend a lot of stuff. I think if you're looking for, in terms of, if you're looking for a 80s throwback film that's, you know, doesn't have From any, the 80s. that doesn't have super problematic, like, not like Revenge of the Nerds or some of those other films where there's like, some of this is kind of rapey and sexual assaulty. You know, this film doesn't have any of that. Everything in it is very consensual. Um, and it's very playful. It's very nice. It's very innocent. And it kind of has a good message. So, and if you're looking for something like that, yes, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. And, and, and with a title like, oh, you should really watch Heavy Metal Summer. Like, who could go wrong? Yeah, it's called Heavy Metal Summer. Um, and if you do want to watch it, full disclosure, the entire film is on YouTube. 
It's also known as State Park. In the States, but come on. Actually, so I we do have listeners in the States. I'm not acting like a jerk. Send State Park. By the way, happy... Uh, happy State Park. Happy Independence Day. Nicely done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> State Park. Um, happy Independence Day to our American listeners south of the border. Please reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. We're not on Twitter. Um, shoot us or uh, be sure to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes. You know, give us a rating. Like us on SoundCloud. If you if you listen to our podcast and you like it, please let us know because we would love to hear from you. Um, so, yeah, that's the, I guess that's it for our episode on Heavy Metal Summer, a.k.a. State Park. Uh, we love you for listening. Thank you. Four thumbs up. Yeah, so I'm going to speak for everyone here and say four thumbs up. No one here hated this film. No. Is no. right? Four thumbs up. Uh, according to Phil Bardak, it's watchable. And, like, we've been divided before, so this is a fair uh, recommendation, I guess, Graham. Is, I, guess, I guess that's where you were going anyway. Yeah, that's what I was going for. And I have to say that Phil Bardak, he's a very discerning movie viewer, so when he calls something watchable, that's as close to, like, Ebert, like, you know, giving it a, 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 you know, four-star review. You best pay attention. Yeah. Well said, Lillian. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's break out the VG board and see what film we're playing next week. The what? The VG board. You heard that right. I, I, I've still never heard Sorry, of this. Sorry, uh, oh yeah, I do need to file my nails. Were you going to whip out some board for me to file my nails with? The VG board. Oh, what's that? It's like a Ouija board, but about video. <laughs> And it's Canadian, so there's an O-U and an R-E in there somewhere. Ouija? V-G. Huh? V-G board. Let's see what the Ouija board says. It's V-G board, come on. Oh, snap, oh, snap. Come on. You're killing me, Will. All right, all right, all right. You guys need to take this icon to her. Uh, a. a Yes, Phil B, B. Uh, A Are you sure that's an I? Rab- Are you sure? I thought it was on the D Rabbed? <laughs> <laughs> We're watching Rabbed? I-D You're right, it's D Is it Rabbit? It is Rabbit The uh, 1979 It was post Dawn of the Dead though, wasn't it? No, 79 was the brood. Right, so it was uh, post-1977 uh, uh, David Cronenberg film, Rabid. Shot in Montreal. Yep. And we're going to be watching a... Well, we've been watching a VHS tape, but it there is a beautiful restoration on Blu-ray from the folk, fine folks at Scream Factory, available in all fine video stores. Um, go check out Isor Cinema. I'm sure they've got a copy or two kicking around. A very reasonable price. Um, and we'll be watching that next week. So, for Death by Video, I'm Graham. I'm Lillian, and I'm super excited about next week. Yay, Lillian, we're back. So, I'm Graham. Lillian. Phil. Chris. Chris Kitt. Chris Kitt. Chris Kitt, yes. Chris Kitt Lewis. Just call me Jules. No. How about Kick? Can we still call you Kick? That, that's your action movie name, Chris Kick Lewis. Um, so uh, that has been Death by Video. Please be sure to rewind, and we will see you next time. We love you. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that doesn't sound like applause through the headphones. 